0: to giving financially, please visit our website, SenecaBaptist.org. Thank you, and enjoy. Children are dismissed for children's worship. You want to head to the door? Pastor Christopher will meet you there. What did I say, Pastor Christopher? Pastor Jackson. We'll meet you there. And in your Bibles, turn to Exodus chapter 25. Exodus chapter 25. As as we're turning in our Bibles, um, I want to remind you... Um, be in prayer. Be in prayer for a number of things, a number of people. Number one is um, we have lots of folks in our church who are not feeling very well. And so if you would be praying for folks in our church that they might experience the healing of Jesus in these days, the comfort of Christ, um, that they would be sustained in their sickness. We've got a number of, of folks that are under the weather. So pray for them. Secondly, I want to just encourage you to be praying for um, this um, Sheriff's deputy, Corporal Lucas Watts, Uh, he was shot uh, on Thursday, um, and it is an absolute miracle of God's grace that he is alive. Um, He is responding to uh, nurses and doctors, giving thumbs up uh, to to them. And so please continue to pray for Lucas Watts and family in these days. Can you join me in that? All right. Um, So let me read for us, and then I'm just going to have a time of prayer uh, for us. So I'm in Exodus chapter 25, beginning in verse 23. Are you there, amen? All right. Verse 23 says, You shall make a table of acacia wood. Two cubits shall be its length, a cubit its breadth, and a cubit and a half its height. You shall overlay it with pure gold and make a molding of gold all around it. And you shall make a rim... Uh, "...around it a hand wide, in a molding of gold around the rim." Verse 26, "...and you shall make for it four rings of gold, and fasten the rings on the four corners at its four legs. Close to the frame the rings shall lie, as holders for the poles to carry the table. You shall make the poles of acacia wood, and overlay them with gold, and the table shall be carried with these." and you shall make its plates and dishes for incense, its flagons and bowls with which to pour drink offerings. You shall make them of pure gold, and you shall set the bread of the presence on the table before me regularly. All right, would, you, would you join me in prayer? Father, we come today and we do lift up our church family. Uh, many, many sick folks in our church, too many even to name. We lift them to you, Father. You know every everyone of their needs, and I'm thankful that because of what we have um, sang about you earlier today, that you are um, infinite and wise. There's nothing you can't do. And so we're asking for healing, whether it's COVID or cancer. um, Father, we pray for miraculous, wonder-working power to flow through each one of those people in Jesus' name, so that you might be glorified, so that people might be healed, And so that we might give You much praise, honor, and glory from answering our prayers. Secondly, Lord, we pray for um, Corporal Lucas Watts, who was shot on Thursday in the line of duty. And first, we say thank You for making men and women who want to put themselves in harm's way for the sake of protecting people like us. Thank You for their service. We do love You, Lord, for that. But we also pray now for His protection and His healing and Father, you've already done miracles. And I've already given you much praise in my own heart. And we have already watched what you've done through the prayers of so many in Oconee County praying for him. And we pray for him and his family that you would bring this man to full restoration and you'd heal him in Christ's name. Now, Father, as serious as all of those sicknesses are, our sin brings a whole nother level of seriousness. And so this morning, as we come into your word, what I'm asking, Lord, is that you'd reveal our sin to us. That we would not be comfortable having unconfessed sin. Just like David said in Psalm 32, when I hid my sin from you and covered up my iniquity. The Ryan Perry version, he was driven crazy. But when he brought his sin to you and he confessed it to you, Father, you dealt with it and you forgave him. And that's what I pray for every person in this room, that we would not hide anything from you, but that we would bring it all to you, acknowledging our sin and how serious it is and that we need a Savior and, and that Jesus Christ is our Savior and Lord. Father, through such a text as we've come to today, teach us, open our eyes to see you, our ears to hear you, and cause our hearts to fall more in love with you. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said? Alright, so we're in a series called Shadows. Shadows. And remember we, we, week one we talked about how there is the, the shadow of a thing. The shadow of a thing. Whether it's a mountain, or a tree, or a house, or a building, or a steeple, or whatever that thing is. We look at the shadow, but we realize that the shadow is not the substance. But there is in fact a substance That the shadow reveals. That the shadow points to a greater reality behind the shadow. And we want to put our eyes on that today. And so when we look at the tabernacle in Exodus 25, we might just read a very seemingly boring passage. Can I just say that? I just said it. I'm sorry. I read this, and it was hard to get worked up and like, Amen! A table of gold, right? Praise the Lord, right? But I, I did not, this is one, if you read my Bible, open my Bible, there are markings all through it, but I literally have not a single mark in this passage. I don't, because I, I don't read this going, wow, I'm so thankful for a table in the holy place. But today, what I want to show us today is that the table and the bread are the shadow. And the substance is Christ. Because in the book of first Corinthians, it reminds us that God planned the gospel from the beginning. From before the world was ever created, from the foundations, God planned the gospel. And so because God's gospel was God's plan. Ever before Adam and Eve messed up in the garden, since the gospel was God's plan, God is putting shadows all through his Old Testament to point us forward to one Messiah who would come and fulfill them all. And that we would see him as the substance. Are you with me, church? Now, I might not be able to get fired up about a table of gold and some some crusty bread up on that thing, but I can get it fired up about Jesus. And I hope to get you as fired up as I am about it. Now, shadows. The tabernacle and everything in it points to Jesus. God very uniquely designed everything inside the tabernacle on purpose, for a purpose, and and to point forward. And so today, as we look at the table, uh, we're going to see just a few things, okay? So the table. We just read this passage. Let's look real quick. Verse 23. You shall make the table of acacia wood, just like the ark. Two cubits shall be its length and a cubit its breadth. So, literally a half cubit narrower each way than the Ark of the Covenant and the Mercy Seat was. Okay? So, half, a half cubit, which is about nine inches, is a half cubit. Okay? So, nine inches narrower, nine inches shorter um, than, than it, uh, the other one was. Now, it, it's the same height. The same height. It, it says a cubit and a half its height. Verse 24 you shall overlay it with pure gold and make a molding of gold all around it. Verse 25, You shall make a rim around it a hand wide. Okay, go like this. There's your hand breadth. That's your rim around the table. Um, uh, I don't know about your table, maybe as you were raising kids in your home, but uh, my table needs a rim that's a handbreadth wide. Because stuff's always sliding, accidentally sliding off the table. And then sometimes my children do it too. So I, we, we need, we need a, a, a one of these rims around it. to Just keep all the food in. That's what we need. The dog would not be as happy, but uh, my floor would be. Uh, so it was a little narrower, the same height. It had an, a rim around it. And it was carried the same way as the ark was. Let's look uh, down in verse 26. You shall make for it four rings of gold and fasten the rings to the four corners at its legs. That's four legs. Close to the frame, the ring shall lie as holders for the poles to carry the table. He shall make, verse 28, the poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold, and the table shall be carried with these. So the table was not to be touched, just like the ark was not to be touched, just like the mercy seat was not to be touched, the table was not to be touched with human hands. It was a holy thing. It was a holy thing. It was where God would come and meet with His people, just like the ark was. And so it was to be carried with poles through rings on the feet. And so this, it was carried by those corners. Now on top of the table, the table held a few different things. Let's read in verse 29. You shall make its plates and its dishes for incense. So on top of it were plates and dishes for incense. And its flagons and bowls with which to pour drink offerings. And so on top of the table you had incense and its vessels. You had drink offerings and its vessels. And then the last thing that was on there is in verse 30. And you shall set the bread of the presence on the table before me regularly. And so there was what we call bread of the presence. Now, some versions, if you're using the King James or New King James, it's either shoe bread, S-H-E-W, or show bread, S-H-O-W. But the the word there in Hebrew is actually the bread of faces. Bread of faces. It's, It's the bread that was constantly in the presence of God. It was bread that was constantly in the presence of God. So, now I want to clarify just one thing real quick. Sometimes, if, if you hear about food offerings, you think about other religions. Okay, You think about another religion in the, in the East. Um, you think about uh, an offering that was given to a, a little g, God. This offering was given as a food offering, and the assumption was that the, the, the deity needed some sustenance, and so we have to feed him, to satisfy his hunger, and so that was the idea of a food offering there. But this is not the idea of the the one true living God and a food offering that we would offer to him, because it wasn't that, that our God needed something from us. Can you just imagine how poor and pitiful of a God it would be if he relied on humanity to sustain him? We might as well take this table take half of it and make a fire with it, use the other half of it, carve it into an idol, carry it from place to place, and then bow down and worship it. That's not the one true living God, Yahweh, of the Bible. Are you with me? So this was not a memorial food offering that God was like, oh, finally, I've been waiting for the bread all week. I'm starving. But we learn a little later on why. Why was this showbread there? This bread of the face or bread of the presence. Now, I want you to turn to your Bibles or look up on the screen to Leviticus chapter 24, verses 5 through 9. And you go, another boring book in the Old Testament, right? No, hang on. It's not because it's pointing forward. Now, Leviticus 24 tells us what how it was to be made, how many of them there were to be and what it was for. So Leviticus 24 says, You shall take fine flour and bake twelve loaves from it. Two-tenths of an ephah shall be in each loaf. Now how many of you in your little, uh, your, your little um, measuring cup uh, set? You know, it's, they're hung together with a ring. You remember that thing? How many of, of you in your measuring cup set have an ephah? Right? None of us. So, what in the world is an EFA? An EFA is uh, basically um, 2.2 liters. Is that a lot? Okay. So, um, one, well, excuse me, one tenth of an EFA is 2.2 liters. One EFA is 22 liters. And so, two uh, tenths of an EFA, which is what it's to be made of, is, is more than a gallon of flour per loaf. That's a honking piece of bread. They, they weighed over five pounds. Talk about, you know, carving it out, right? So these things weighed five pounds per loaf. Now, it was fine flour. This flour had to be sifted thoroughly This was not like the first batch of flour. You needed to run it and then run it again through a sifter finer and finer so that it's pure. No impurities whatsoever and it couldn't have any leaven in it. Now, it continues in Leviticus 25. And you shall set them in two piles. Two piles, six in each pile on the table of pure gold before the Lord. Now, time out. What would 12... Loaves of bread symbolize to a Jewish people. One loaf for every what? Tribe of Israel. Good job, A plus on the quiz. One loaf for every tribe. And they are constantly before the face of God. Right? Are you with me? And you shall put frankincense on each pile. Frankincense was... um, and a kind of incense uh, that would be burned uh, with an offering. And it was a pleasing aroma to the Lord. What did one of the wise men bring to Jesus at his, uh, when he was about two years old? What was it? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Myrrh what, right? Okay, never mind. Sorry. Bad preacher joke. Man, I'm doing bad this morning. Okay, the stacks represented 12 tribes. They're topped with frankincense that they'd be pleasing to the Lord, a pleasing aroma. And, and, and here's what it goes on to say. Let's keep reading in our passage, uh, Leviticus 24. It says um, that, that it may go with the bread as a memorial portion, as a food offering to the Lord. Every Sabbath day, Aaron shall arrange it before the Lord regularly. It's from, it is from the people of Israel as a covenant forever. It shall be for Aaron and his sons, and they shall eat it in a holy place. Did the Lord eat this thing? No. Who was, who was to eat it? Aaron and his sons. Now, this is the priests. The priests would eat it. So every Sabbath day, uh, 12 fresh loaves would be baked, uh, brought in, and the 12 loaves from last Sabbath would be taken out, and it would be eaten by the priests, all the priests who were on duty. And it shall be for Aaron and his sons, and they shall eat it in a holy place, since it is for him a most holy portion out of the Lord's food food offerings, a perpetual due. All right, so remember, huge loaves of bread, five pounds each, pure, topped with frankincense, no leaven whatsoever could be found in these things, And they were representing one of the 12 tribes of Israel, and they were always in God's presence. And each week, the priests would eat last week's loaves. Are you with me, church, so far? All right, praise the Lord. Because I'm not doing that again. All right. So, Jesus even talked about this bread. Do you remember one day the the Pharisees were fussing at Jesus' disciples because they were walking through the fields on the Sabbath day? and they were, they'd grab, a, as they're walking from one place to another place, they're grabbing a little bit of grain off of the, the, the stalk, and they just kind of rub it in their hands as they're walking, and they're kind of popping them. It's like popcorn, you know what I mean? And so they're just rubbing them and, and chomping on them, and the Pharisees fuss at them and say, why do your, your disciples do what's not lawful on the Sabbath? And Jesus reminds them of the story of David. And what he says is, don't you remember when David went into the house of the Lord and I can't remember the priest's name, gave him the showbread, the, the bread of the presence to eat. It was unlawful for David to eat. And he said, He's, you're missing the point. You're missing the entire point of the Sabbath because the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And the showbread was not made uh, for God, but, but to remind us of something. Now, what did it remind the people of Israel about? So what did it remind them about? Number one, it reminded them of God's provision. The table and the bread were to be a reminder of God's provision for His people. That just as the manna, do you remember the manna? It came every day. Bread from heaven. God's bread. Every day in the wilderness, God's bread would fall down from heaven as a way that God would provide. And this bread was a reminder always on the table of the Lord that God would provide for His people. Just as the manna was new every morning in the wilderness, so God's mercies are new every morning. And His provision is new each day. And that's why Jesus teaches us to pray, Give us this day our daily bread. They were to be a reminder always before God and always before His people that God would provide. Are you with me, church? Second, that God would sustain. They were reminded of God's sustaining work. That that God sustained their lives by manna from God's presence and each day, each day God's people ought to be sustained again by the hand of the Lord. God is teaching them that He's going to provide for them, and that He is going to sustain their lives through this bread. Third thing that it would remind God's people of, as they would hear and see about the showbread or the bread of the presence, that it was a a reminder of God's constant presence. Time after time in the Old Testament, God reminds His people, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. The Lord is our refuge and strength, a present help in time of trouble. When trouble comes in your life, God does not go running and turn for the hills. Isn't that good news? God God does not need to take cover, but rather God is a constant fortress that we take cover in. That He was always there. That Psalm 121 says... The God who keeps Israel would never sleep and He would never slumber, and so you can rest because God doesn't in your life. Isn't that good news? So God's constantly present. And the last thing that it reminds us of is God desired fellowship. God desired fellowship with His people. In the Old Testament, meals were important. Same in the New. Meals were important. But in Genesis chapter 18... Um, Abraham is visited by uh, these angelic beings who turned out to be the Trinity of God. And these, these this Trinity, these angelic beings come and Abraham runs and tells Sarai, his wife, Sarah, I've got some visitors. Make a meal. And do you remember what she did? She, she, she killed uh, an animal and offered it. And she made some loaves of bread. See, bread has a way of coming up over and over and over and over in the Old Testament in the form of a meal. In the form of a meal. When Melchizedek in Genesis chapter 14 comes, he brought out bread and wine. Sarah brings out bread and a slain animal to these to eat. And so at each time it's about a meal. It's about a meal. And this is a reminder that God wants fellowship with His people. Do you know? Do you know that in that day, if you invited somebody over to dinner, it was not... I, I, this been in the crockpot all day. That was not a luxury they had. A meal was a three-hour affair. And so if you were coming to a meal, it said something about our relationship. It says that we have the kind of relationship that you're in my house for an elongated period and I want that kind of intimate fellowship with you. And that is what God is reminding His people of. That this bread is always in His presence and that God wants fellowship with His people because who was to eat this bread each week? The priests. In a holy place before God. Now, That was all shadow. Let's turn to the substance real fast. So I want to talk about Jesus and this table and bread. A Hebrew scholar um, says that for both Jews and Christians, the presence, the bread of the presence was an emblem of the Messiah who would come. An emblem of the Messiah who would come. And what I want you to see is that Not what is the bread of the presence, but who is the bread of the presence. And I want you to see that there was once a baby born in a little town of. Come on, oh, little town of Bethlehem. We're going to get ready to sing all those songs in just a few minutes. Bethlehem. Bethlehem. Now, do you know what Bethlehem means? It's made up of two words. The first word is bet, which means house. The second word in Hebrew is lechem, which means bread. Jesus entered into the world. God in the flesh. He ought to have been born in a king's palace. But where was our Savior born? In a stable. A filthy cave, most likely. In the little town of Bethlehem, the house of bread. The bread of the presence, the bread from heaven, came into the house of bread. He is called in the Bible the bread from heaven. John chapter 6, verse 32 says it like this Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is... What's that word? He who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. You think that the manna in the wilderness brought life to the people of Israel? No. The one, the true bread from heaven, is the one. He who will come from heaven and give life to the world. He. Then he said. They said to him. They responded, Sir, give us that bread. Right? Right? Just like the lady at the well, the woman at the well in John 4, he talks about living water and she says, I want that kind of water so I don't gotta come back to this well anymore. And what's he say to her? I'm the living water. Look what he says, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Listen, what Jesus came to do. Jesus, the bread of God's presence, came from heaven into the house of bread. He was God in the flesh. He was a constant reminder that God is always, left us, or always with us, that God has not left us. He has not abandoned us. He has not forsaken us, but in fact, God entered into our mess. Isn't that good news? It's good news. That the bread of heaven did not wait till we had it all together. But God will come into your mess if you will allow Him. The problem is that most of us won't allow Him. We got to get the house cleaned up before Jesus comes over. The problem is you can never clean your house well enough for Jesus to enter in. Let Jesus do it, He will come into your mess. He is the bread of heaven. He's not left you. He's not abandoned you. And that is what the incarnation of Jesus Christ at Christmas is the greatest reminder of, that God has not left us to die in our sins. He's come for us. To rescue us. Isn't that good? I'm going to high five myself in a minute if some of y'all don't shout, okay? Now, He is the bread from heaven, but the the bread of the presence had to be fine flour, fully refined, no impurities, and no leaven. Guess what? Jesus had no sin, had no blemish. Like pure gold was Jesus. He did not need any refining. He did not need any impurity to be taken out of Him. He was perfect. Why is that so important? It's not just Jesus' death on the cross that's so important to our salvation. If Jesus only died for you on the cross, then you would have a substitute in your death, but you would have no substitute for righteousness. You would still be trying to earn your own righteousness. But Jesus Christ, who had no impurity whatsoever, did not just die for your sins, but He lived for For your righteousness. That your sins might go into his body on the cross. And that his righteousness might go into your body through his resurrection. Are you with me? He was perfect. Jesus is God's provision for mankind. John chapter 6 continues on. In verse 48 to 51, it says, I'm the bread of life. I'm the bread of life. Your fathers, they ate the manna in the wilderness. What happened to them? They dead. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread... He will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. He's the bread of the presence. The bread of the presence. God in the flesh has come down with us. Jesus represents the twelve tribes, all of God's people before God. And not only did he come down to represent his presence, but he came down to live and to die so that he might give us life instead of death. See, the problem with that is later on in John chapter 6, he says, you got to eat of my flesh and drink of my blood if you want to live forever. And do you remember what they, they said to him? The crowd said, that's hard. That's a hard saying, Jesus. Some of the disciples even said, that's a hard saying. And you know what happened? Many people began to leave. See, they they had come for a meal, and Jesus wanted to give them eternal life. They just wanted some bread. They didn't want anything to do with the bread from heaven. And all the crowds that came for the bread, the thousands of people that Jesus had fed the day before, now snuck away. And there were just a few of them left. And Jesus looked at the disciples and said, you going to go to Peter Don't give Peter such a hard time. Sometimes he got it right. Peter looks at Jesus and he says, "Where are we going to go?" You have the words of eternal life. See, what Jesus says in this passage is you've got to eat of his flesh and drink of his blood if you want anything to do with eternal life. In other words, there's no other way to come to God but through The flesh and blood of Christ. There's no other way. Try it. Try to find life apart from Him. Try to find meaning. Try to find forgiveness. Try to find hope for trials and tribulations. Try to find anything that would sustain you and provide for you apart from Jesus, and it will be a fool's errand. Come to Jesus, and you'll have life, forgiveness, righteousness, provision, sustenance, and a relationship with God. This is the promise. Jesus is the promise that God had not forsaken his people. And Jesus came to institute a new table of the Lord, a new table of the Lord. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 26 through 29, this is what it says. Matthew 26, it says, Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread. And after blessing it, what did He do with it? Broke it. The breaking of bread was so significant in Jesus' ministry he broke bread, blessed it and fed thousands of people two times. Here, the night before he is betrayed and crucified, he takes it break, breaks bread and institutes the new covenant. After he's raised again from the dead, Jesus is walking along the road with two guys on the road to Emmaus. Do you remember this story? And Jesus is talking to them and they're talking about all the things that have happened. And and Jesus, he's so funny. He says, what things? And they tell are you the only one that doesn't know what took place today? This week in Jerusalem? We thought he was the Messiah. And Jesus began in the Scriptures and he began to explain to them all the things in the Scriptures concerning himself. And then they Jesus acted like he was going to keep on going down the road. And they they said, why don't you come on inside and eat dinner with us? He came in. He took a loaf of bread. He broke it. He blessed it. And they knew exactly who he was, didn't they? And he disappeared. And they said, did not our hearts burn inside us? When he was talking to us. See, breaking of bread is significant in Jesus' life and ministry, but this is the most significant moment for us. In Matthew 26, He took bread after blessing it, He broke it. And He said, take, eat. This is my flesh. This is my body. Luke says, which is broken for you. And then he took a cup. A cup of wine. Luke says that he poured it out from one vessel into many vessels. Matthew says that he took a cup and when he would given thanks, he gave it to them. So a cup. I don't think it matters how it happened. The point is, he said, drink of it, all of you. For this is my blood, Of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. He says, I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit again, this fruit of the vine, until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. He instituted a meal. The way that Jesus was going to reveal his saving plan to all his people wasn't a sermon. It was a meal. And you know, at the Passover meal, we should be aware that there would be all kinds of different things at the table, that there would be a lamb at the table. But the only things that we're aware of at the Passover meal are bread and wine. Where's the Passover lamb? doesn't tell us. You want to know why? Because the focus is not the Passover lamb on the table. The focus is that the Passover lamb is at the table. And the Lamb would die. His blood would be shed. His body would be broken. And that if we would come and eat of it in a spiritual manner and drink of it in a spiritual manner, then we can come alive. Blessed is the man whose transgression is forgiven. Whose sin is covered. I would like to invite my deacons up to serve our Lord's Supper. You're one of our deacons. Would you come now? Ian Jackson. See, now we get to participate in the meal. And the meal symbolizes Christ's presence. The meal symbolizes the bread of God's presence. This is the table of the Lord. The early church in Acts chapter 2 devoted themselves to the apostles teaching, to the breaking of bread, to prayers, to fellowship and to prayers. Today we're devoting ourselves to the breaking of bread. The body and blood of Christ. Now I want to remind you of something. I want to guard this table. Fence it in for us. I want to remind you that this is not for those who have not put their faith in Jesus publicly. So this is for Bible-believing, Gospel-believing people. You have said, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Jesus is my Savior. He's my hope. So if you are not a believer out there, this isn't for you. Also, if if you are not willing to repent of your sins. I don't know that you need to do this before you search your heart. Because this is a reminder that I'm trusting that Christ died for me. I have been forgiven and now I live in him. So would you just kind of bow with me? Maybe you're in this room and today you say, Ryan, I want to trust Jesus as my Savior and Lord. I believe He is God's Messiah, God's Savior, God's bread. Today I want to acknowledge my sin Trust Jesus so that I can find life in him. If that's you and you're here today, you've never done that publicly, would you just like to slide your hand up? It's just me looking. I need Jesus to save me. Maybe you're here today and you say, Ryan, I've got unrepentant sin in my life. Would you just pray for me that my heart might be right? If that's you, just slide your hand up and say, Ryan, pray for me right now. I see your hand. I see your hand. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, We thank You for what the shadows in the Old Testament point us to, the substance in Christ. Show us now what Christ has done for us. Remind us that we might do this until Jesus comes back to preach the Gospel through actions. Father, I pray that we would understand that this does not cleanse us, this does not wash us, but what cleanses us and washes us is the body and blood of Jesus. This is just a symbol. Father, draw our hearts to you. Grant us repentance. Give us a soft heart. Create in us a clean heart. Make Make us tender, Lord Jesus. And return our hearts to you today in this. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for this symbol that we're going to take together. In Jesus' name, God's people said, Amen. 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 Deacons, would you please serve us?
1: Would you stand at this time? Behold the Lamb who bears our sin. May that all who come in faith Find forgiveness at the cross So we share in this bread of life And we drink of his sacrifice As a son table
0: if you would grab your bottom cup remember on the night that Jesus was to be betrayed the previous day before he was crucified he took a loaf of bread and he broke it and he said take it eat it this is my body broken for you do this In remembrance of me, let's commune together. Let's sing. The
1: blood that cleanses every stain of sin shed for you. Drink and remember. He drained death's cup that we may enter in To receive the life of God So we share in this bread of life And we drink of his sacrifice a sign of our bonds of grace around the table
0: of the King. He took a cup and he said to his disciples, this is my blood, the blood of the new covenant. We sang a line in that last verse that says, he drained Death's cup that all may enter in. He drank a cup of God's wrath with no mercy so that we could drink a cup of mercy with no wrath. Let's commune together. Let's sing.
1: And so, with thankfulness and faith, we rise to respond. And to remember our call to follow in the steps of Christ as his body. in his suffering we proclaim Christ will come up